0: I-Radio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver, who's at the 515 door today.
1: We knew that we'd find him sooner or later, and there he is. He is the gentleman who's been with us more than anybody else on the 515 Show. It is, of course, the legendary Brian Wolf. Hi, Brian. Hey, John. How are you doing today? Dandy. You know... We were just talking back here of when you first started with Ford way back when. Um, and it must be in the early two thousands because you're not that old. Nineteen eighty two. How many engines has or drive trains have your fingerprints on them from Ford? Ooh,
0: I I don't know a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because we're trying yeah. to think, my God, if 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 you go from Godzilla backward, you know, I mean, the first engine that you got to, or drivetrain, you got to put your fingers on was what? Do you remember?
0: Well, the thing is, is that I um, went into engine engineering in 84, right? So, right. at that point, I was doing fuel metering components, so I got to touch a lot of different engines. So... You know, at Ford, you know, as the way it's structured, you know, once you're in that division, you really get to touch, you know, many different, you know, engines from, you know, one of the things you maybe say significant contributions you can remember is the first one um, was a 5 liter Mustang. Um, there was a gentleman named Jim Clark, and he was the manager of that group and actually the one accountable to put the 5 liter in the Mustang in 1982, and he, he moved on to a new position, but every year that he was there, there was like a significant upgrade, but he was the one doing the work to sell it, going above and beyond his job responsibilities to push it. And he moved on. And so there was a, you know, a program in 82. They put, put the engine in the car, then they put the five-speed in it in 83, then they put the four-barrel on it in 84, and, and so on, and fuel injection in 86. And then there wasn't going to be a program for 87. Um and I attribute that because he wasn't pushing it. But I remember at one of the all-hands meetings uh, where the director of the group, you know, was, you know, taking questions from the uh, from the employees. And I asked the question, how come that program, the HO program for 87, you know, got canceled or didn't happen? And, you know, to his credit, his name is Hank Lennox, a very proactive performance enthusiast himself, strong leader worked on things like the Cobra Jet in the 60s and stuff. You know, he took that and actually followed through, and you know, the program was reinstated. So, you know, and I was, you know, a, a salary grade 6, if there's anybody online at Ford, that's kind of a very junior engineer at the time, but just, uh I remember, you know, that meeting and asking the question, and, and then him following through on it. So, you know, that would maybe the first one that I remember having a, you know, kind of a significant impact, but again, I worked on components on that, but wasn't you know the guy uh, in charge of it or
1: anything i mean how long were you in ford at that particular point uh, I mean, uh it, w- go ahead
0: yeah that would have been probably three and a half years
1: did you hold your breath when you gave that question and go oh my god look at all these people in this room or did you say oh hell no this cannot be
0: uh you know i, I you know i'm pretty much was an introvert, you know, most, you know, time. So yeah, talking, I was a little, I guess, ner- yeah, I was a little nervous getting up in, uh, and asking the, the the question because, you know, when you kind of asked it to the people that were maybe your immediate supervisor or above, you know, you kind of got the corporate answer as opposed, you know, to kind of going around everybody in that, you know, big all hands meeting and asking the question, but uh, a little nervous. Yeah.
1: I mean, were you the junior junior in that room?
0: Um, yeah, because what happened in, um, again, this was like, you know, they call it the all-hands meeting, so basically everybody that works, worked under that director was there, so there might have been five, six hundred people in the the room, Sure. but in 1978, 79, 80, remember the economy was really, really bad, so engine engineering laid off basically a lot of folks, and, I transferred from heavy truck to engine engineering in eighty four and I was like the youngest guy in the organization by like ten years because of that layoff that happened. So yeah, I would have been like one of the, you know, junior, junior, you know, wet behind the ear kid.
1: <laughs> I mean, did you want to go in that division or I mean did you see the opening and say, Oh yeah, that's for me or it's like, Well, kid, you wanna get up, go there.
0: No, um, it was, it was, it was kind of n- neither. Um, you know, I, as you know, John, from the time we were kids, you know, I've always loved engines, right? And that's where I wanted to work. But when I got out of uh, college, I really, truly wanted to work for Ford, and only Ford, because that was the only reason I went to college in the first place was to try to work for Ford. And I, uh, that was the advice I got: you got to go get your engineering degree to even be considered. So. When I and when I hired in, the only place hiring in '82 because the economy was still very poor was truck engine engineering because they basically had a long gap themselves of nobody to promote because they weren't hiring new people every uh, every so often. So I was lucky enough to hire be one of the ten that hired in then. And then um, I really wanted to get an engine engineering, and uh, there was a form called the developmental interest survey. The guy named John Coletti, who was a friend of my brothers, recommended I, put, I fill that out. But he said, now don't say anything bad about where you're at. Make it very positive of why you want to go work an engine, not why you don't want to stay where you are. And then he goes, go show that to your supervisor and ask him to review it and ask him for input. He goes, if you go and ask somebody for your help, you know, they'll help you. They're not going to kick you in the teeth if you go tell them why you want to do what you want to do. So I did that, and uh, as luck would have it, I did get the interview in engine engineering, and the offer came through. And the man, the um, department manager, wasn't there because he didn't approve of it. He didn't want to lose the headcount. But so my supervisor went to the executive engineer at the time, which was kind of in the stratosphere for me, and uh, he said, "No, we're not going to let him go. We've got all this time invested in the FCG program." We're not going to do it. And he said, well, if we don't let him go to engine and follow his dreams, he may be at GM next week. I think we need to let him go. Wow.
1: So that
0: was augmented into engine.
1: Wow. Wow. And just think about all this. If you would have had a good time, you could have stayed at Baskin-Robbins all your life and never seen a Godzilla motor.
0: I could have, yeah. I could have <laughs> still be uh, on ice cream today.
1: I mean, was that your first, first job, Brian?
0: Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, that was my first job when I just turned 14 at Baskin-Robbins.
1: I mean, were you trying to, like, uh, serve blue ice cream only to people as they came in?
0: No, no. <laughs> no, Didn't didn't only want to serve them for blue, it was whatever they wanted. But, again, <laughs> it was, you know, again, you know, Back in the day, John, as you know, and you know the way we grew up, you know, if you wanted something, you know, you had to go work for it. So, you yeah. know, liking cars and the hobbies we had, you know, you wanted to, uh, you know, work early, and you know, you need to get the money so you could, you know, start to uh, to to explore your hobbies and your interests.
1: You know, I don't know if anybody knows what your very first hot hot-ridey car was. I mean, back in high school day kind of thing. I think people think you were born with a five zero underneath you.
0: Yes, yeah, so my first car, still have it, um, is a, uh, well, first car that I, you know, I had a car, a couple cars kind of ahead of that, but the first real car that I purchased was a 69 Fairlane Cobra, and that was back in the day, you know, pre-internet, you know, look at the classifieds, and I was looking for a 66 Fairlane, because that's what my brother Al had, and I wanted one of those, but I just remember the ad, it just said 69 Cobra best offer and a phone number you know, and it took me like a week and a half to get through to the guy I got through to him went out and you know looked at it, and the car was really nice so it was you know he said that he, you know, he i I remember he paid three hundred and seventy five dollars for it. it had you know like forty some thousand miles on it and um it was pretty yeah so still have that car today um and the plans are to rustle my that car so um that's uh on the to do list, but there's a few things have it. <laughs>
1: You realize, Brian, there's 24 hours in a day, right? Not 48.
0: That's true, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and the older you get, the, the fewer of those 24 <laughs> you, you get. you productive at.
1: <laughs> the more you take a look at the clock when it says 9 o'clock and says, geez, I should be in bed by now?
0: <laughs> yeah, pr- yeah pr- pretty much. <laughs> you or like, isn't it 9 o'clock yet? I need to go to bed. Yeah.
1: Where's my warm milk and I'm home. You know what was the car? Because I remember that back in the day, you know, everybody had their car, and you got your driver's ed through school. I mean, we got ours through Warren Mott. You know, what car did they give you for your first driver's ed car?
0: I don't even remember. I don't remember. It might have been an Oldsmobile. I just, I don't remember.
1: Yeah, because I mean, basically you would have got either something from Key Olds or from the Chevrolet dealer. You know, I don't remember any Fords yeah. or any fine Mopars going around. I guess they didn't want to scare the instructors. But, I mean, when you <laughs> – wait, could you drive by that time? Could you drive by the time you had driver's head? I mean, yeah. you had the fundamentals of, you know, braking and going quickly?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, of course, you know, my dad um – you know, would like, you know take you to you know part you know like a empty mall parking lot. You know, after you know they were closed on a Friday, and you know teach you to you know the like you said the fundamentals. So when you got into driver's training, it wasn't the first time you got behind the
1: wheel. I mean, did you scare your dad? Did you put it to the floor a couple of times?
0: Mm, no, that was very <laughs> good to him. No,
1: were you afraid to do that so he wouldn't give you the car anymore? <laughs>
0: Yeah, for, yeah, well, yeah, I was afraid to do it, but I didn't to. yet. You know, back back then you could beat your kids for bad behavior, so. <laughs> you
1: know, did you ever get a chance to take your brother's car out, Al's car out? I mean, did he let you just, like, take it up and down common? Or was it like that no, no, was something no. you inspired to? So the,
0: yeah, something inspired to, yeah, because he sold the car. I think I, I was talking to him recently. I think he sold it in 70 or 71. So that would have been long before I got my got my license.
1: Wow. I mean, what did he get after the Fairlane? Or you did know, he? I think, I, you know,
0: I don't remember what he got right after that. But I remember he had like a Tornado, uh, you know, one of the front-wheel drive ones. And, uh, you know, just kind of more, you know, driver-type cars than any, than any performance car.
1: Was he getting old in 1971? What the hell, Al?
0: <laughs> he was, yeah, he was. And then he got, you know, then he got, uh, he got into motorcycles. And then, you know, when he got older, you know, he had a Mustang Cobra, a couple of those. And I think he's got a now he's got a Focus ST. So he's, you no,
1: know, Focus ST cars,
0: but nothing like the like the mighty Fairlane. <laughs>
1: wow. I mean, what attracted you to the '66? Just because it looked like, say, Phil's, or why? Mm-hmm.
0: No, no, the, uh, yeah, Phil oh, no, uh, uh, was, was a good friend, uh, John, and I had back in high school,
1: yeah. but he
0: had a 66 as well, no, but the reason that attracted it to me, you know, again, I, I always liked my brother's car, so I wanted one like it.
1: You know, which always brings us back, I mean, what's happening is that Brian Wolfe has been with us so many times, we've been all over his life and everywhere that he's been, we really haven't backtracked to the kind of the beginning when he was just a wolf pup, to, uh, you know, and now we'll, far, we'll fling ourselves in a little bit to present day, you know. But the one question that always goes back is why so adamant about Ford? Um,
0: you know, it was, it all kind of stems back to my dad and, you know, what Ford stood for back in the day, you know, the $5 wage, doubling people's wage. The car for every man. Um, so it was that um, I guess the morals that, and the uh, and bring the world you know the world on uh, you know to on wheels you know more or less. So all that stuff that was the foundation of the company were things that you know you could uh, relate to and uh, aspire to. Wow.
1: I mean, very nice answer. I mean, when did I mean, that's pretty deep for a kid. When did that finally get in your head? 3rd grade, 4th grade? Oh, I
0: don't
1: know, earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm impressed, Brian. You know, I mean, it's like when everybody else was thinking about their twin, you were thinking already about the fair lane.
0: Absolutely. I know it was uh, you know, just you know, it was always there, you
1: know, that, you know, history. Yeah, so. it's kind of funny. I mean, again, Brian, and, uh, and, and as he said, we grew up together, and, I mean, really, you had a swinging. And, and we talked about this before. I mean, the area that we grew up with had a lot of heavy-duty drag racers, and, I mean, I mean, some infamous ones and some very famous ones. You know, it's kind of weird. I don't know if there's something mm-hmm. in the water on Ryan Road or something, but, you know, it, it's pretty yeah. impressive.
0: Oh yeah, you know the Randy
1: Mr. Linda Mood, Linda
0: Mood, right? Yeah, the Color McGowan card where you know he lived down right on what was it, right on Thirteen Mile, and yeah, yeah, and you know just a lot of the you know the street guys you know around there. But yeah, Detroit, you know, in general, and you know even today, you know, where are the you know you got guys like you know Johnny Quick, Brian Davis, and you know Jake Blaine that are you know you see him on TV and. You know, to me, it's really cool because I, I enjoy that. Some people say, well, it's too much drama, it's this or that, but, you know, knowing these people, not on a, you know, on a daily basis, but, you know, where they're, you know, they're not millionaires, they're not getting rich off of this, they're doing for the love of the sport, kind of like the guys that raced in the 60s, you know, that, you know, the racers were, you know, the guys that were doing all the hard work and putting everything into it because they just loved what they were doing. So, you know, that, that history you know is there you know like I said from then and you know continues today with the with the younger guys
1: yeah i mean it's kind of unique when you see everything <sighs> back that i yeah i was just thinking about when you were you know when you were looking at the 66 and you got the 69 and stuff like that did you ever go out to woodward and do some carburetor testing
0: we we did a little yeah we did <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Did you ever get close enough where uh, Johnny Law was behind you, or were you slippery enough to get away?
0: Ah, uh, we were slippery enough, yeah. But you know, it, and you know, back in you know in the high school days, I mean, we did go out there quite a bit. But you know, um, yeah, never, never came, never got pulled over for, uh, for for cruising
1: Woodward. It is kind of something that folks are missing today, kind of. But, I mean, Woodward, American I mean, it was every red light was a race almost, you know, and it didn't matter who lined up, and it didn't matter what kind of car you had. If it had an accelerator that could go to the floor, you know, everybody had a race. It was pretty interesting to watch. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, some of that, you know, again, you know, today, like you said, it's not every light, but, you know, there's always that, like, I uh, <laughs> we were in uh uh, Florida last week and I was in my wife's CSST and there was a Honda S2000 next to me at the light, right? So myself and another guy, you know, on the jet ski were in the car, you know, light changes, I take off quick and then I hear him get on it so I get on it, you know, and you got a bunch of old jer- old farts in <laughs> four-cylinder turbo cars racing down the street, you know, accelerating down the road and spinning the tires on the shifts and stuff, so it was kind of fun.
1: You wonder if people
0: some look. T- some o- kids never grow up.
1: Well, you look over and you see the guy next to you is the legendary Brian Wolf, and it's like, all right, <laughs> this is going to go one of two ways, and chances are it's going to go badly for whoever's next to you. You know, it, it is kind of unique. When was the first time you went to the drag strip? Uh, it
0: would have been with the Fairlane, uh, but um, my brother drove it. Yeah, and I remember, you know, you think the car's really fast. You know, it's a twelve second car, you know, it's a four twenty eight Cobra Jet, you know, it's so gonna be really fast. I remember it went uh, I think uh the John Coletti one was a friend of his came with us and I think the car went like fourteen seventies and it was like <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was like here you here you think think one thing and you find out, yeah, this really wasn't that fast, you know. Um but again, you know, uh for the time it seemed fast, right? Until you got the time slip.
1: Did you go home and kick the car, or did you say, All right, I'm going to Grash at Auto Supply. We're going to thrash? Uh,
0: no, I think uh, no, we definitely didn't kick it, but you know, <laughs> we went through the motor. and um, you know, The car did go 1270 before we took 420 out and started to think about doing this resto mod. But, uh, but that was about as fast as it went. And I remember the 5 liter Mustang, the 86, after. You know, that went like stock, it went like 15 threes, and after we uh, put the motor in it with the GT40 heads and intake and hydraulic roller cam and that, the first time out, it went 1250s. Wow. I remember thinking, wow, this was way too easy (laughs) compared to the Fairlane, and that's uh, when I really, you know, uh, started to, you know, to get, you know, go further and further with that car and the 8200 deck height, uh, small block Ford stuff.
1: Amazing. All right. Enough of, of being in the yesteryear. Let's go up today. What is happening with the seven three right now with the Godzilla?
0: Well that's that's really turning, you know, really exciting. There's a lot of companies really, you know, getting heavily involved. Um, you know, from you know, the, the people that I started work with, which, you know, had been, you know the early parts which was Calais, Weissco, now Diamond Pistons is carrying uh their set of pistons for it as well. Um there's uh, Jessel, who makes super high-end uh, valve train parts. They've done a belt drive for a daily engineering, a drive pump system. Um, there are uh, companies uh, that are working on, which I can't disclose quite yet because of uh, non-disclosure agreements I have with them, that are working on uh, cast intake manifolds and, and um, that will bring costs down. Right now there's the aftermarket sheet metal intakes, uh, available, so there's just you know pretty much whatever you need for it, whether it's rods, pistons, cams, lifters. Uh, we just did a, uh, a test fit with a with a Johnson lifter, which makes some you know really nice aftermarket lifters. Uh, that looks that's going to work out real well. We just got to adjust push rod length, so I'm doing some work on that. Um, so, a Pro Charger has a kit. Um, uh, Whipple is gonna have a kit this year for it uh so again it's just pretty much whatever you need for that is become is, is out there you know the engine's only been out for two years and's never been in a car right it's only uh, coming to super duty so i couldn't be you know more excited about how much the aftermarket's you know taken to it and there's some you know big companies that have done a lot of ls's uh there's a company in texas called mass motorsports uh, that has a line of, um, you know, I'd call them crate or spec engines that they're selling uh, for the for the Godzilla. So you know, when you see larger companies investing money and development time into it, you know, um, this early, you know, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good hit for the aftermarket.
1: Yeah, but why? How does this happen, Brian? I mean, besides, you know, with the legendary Wolf name up top of it. I mean this car you're right it's never been in a vehicle it's only been out you know in really two years in a really rough two years for the world you know why i mean these are not small companies this isn't bob down the street machine shop doing stuff for you i mean right. why do you think the big explosion is well i i you
0: know a couple things one it is, you know, the, the guy, you know, the engineers, I think, did a spectacular job on it at Ford, right? The guys that really did the nitty-gritty detail on the cylinder head design, the block, um, you know, it's a, you know, very easy engine to get a realistic, you know, 600 horsepower out of. And, um, you know, and then, you know, nationally aspirated with just a few, um, you know, upgrades, you know, with a, You know, we do a CNC cylinder head that uh, Visner Engineering, uh, or sorry, Visner Engine Development, uh, really did the work on, and they're doing the CNC work. Um, So with that head, a camshaft, um, and you know, dyno headers. You know, we're making you know 600 horsepower. So um, you know, that I think that's a big element of it. It's reasonably priced. You know, like the crate engines. Um, there are you know, even though it's only been in production two years, it's a very high volume engine because well, what do you mean it's only in the truck? It makes a lot of super duties. And it not only goes in the super duties, but it goes in the motorhome chassis, the strip chassis type vehicles. So, um, you know, the volume is like two hundred and fifty to thousand a year plus. Nice. And then uh and then Amazon recently bought um to make Amazon delivery vehicles out of, but they're converting some of those to full electric vehicles. So people are able to buy those powertrain, you know, the the engine transmission out of there as a you know fairly inexpensively, and uh, and convert those. I've got a customer then doing engines for where he bought like ten of those, and he sends you know, he sent me like three so far, you know, to do the performance kit on them. Right, so we you know we keep the stock pistons, rods, we put the. Uh, CNC heads, put the cam in it, um, dyno it, you know, and send them back to him. And then he's offering that as a package for you know, that goes into like older Ford vehicles like, you know, uh, you know, forties, fifties, sixties pickup trucks, Broncos, stuff like that. So uh they're just it's a it's a pretty small package. It's not um as small as like a, a small block Chevy or a small block Ford like the eight two hundred deck height engine. But if you look at it versus a uh like a a Windsor or some uh, that type of engine, it's pretty close to the same size, so uh, you know it fits rather nicely as well.
1: I mean, when you have your fingers all over the Godzilla, I mean, in in development and stuff too, correct? Uh, yes. All right. I mean, yep, you have, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It's suddenly Harry Mason for a minute. Yeah. I didn't mean You that. know. You know. You, Go ahead.
0: Yeah, as you know, Dan, we got a dyno we've got a dyno, you know, at the shop here. So, you know you know, we, we like to, you know, test and understand what the out you know, what what we're selling before we see, before we have the customer, if you will, do the experiments on it, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, one of the cars we have, we have that twin turbo shop car because a lot of people are asking questions about turbos and the great cam for it and you know, E85, so we said, well, we ought to build one so we know what, you know, what, what they'll be up against. And, you know, interfacing the control system with a uh, with a uh, automatic transmission controller, making sure we understand how all that works together. Um, you know, then our shop, uh, drag car is, uh, you know, pro-charged, um, you know, box body Mustang. So, again, you know, a lot of that you, you have to do so you know what the results are going to be.
1: you must be the busiest guy in Willis yeah I can't I, I can't imagine no. no
0: no no I'm sure there's guys that are busier than, than I am but we uh you know I you know we're in the shop pretty much seven days a week you know but they're not 12 hour days you know but uh you know just uh you know moving through and you know trying to get things done you know
1: I mean the most pleasant surprise you've got so far Brian was what with the Godzilla. Um, I was really
0: I, mean, I was really pleased with, you know, when we took it to uh last year when we took the, the drag car to uh to a hub dyno, uh David Monday's place and uh you know, had Jason Lee and Patrick uh, Barnhill there, you know, helping you know to or not helping but actually, you know, tuning the vehicle. You know, and it made fifteen hundred horsepower at the wheels, you know, we had a Whipple supercharger on it at the time. So I thought, you hey, know, this is a stock block, stock crank, stock cylinder heads again you know, the black and crank stock, but it has cylinder heads heavily reworked, uh, jessel valve train, but still, you know, for, you know, stock parts and not coming apart, um, you know, I was pretty, I, you know, it gives you a lot of confidence in, you know, the reliability of the engine, you know.
1: Well, on the other side, what was the biggest or is the biggest challenge with this little guy?
0: Um, the thing that, um, I think is the, the thing I, I call it the, the, the two Achilles heels is because this was designed only to go into a super duty, right, which has a large, you know, um, in, you know if you will, crunch, you have center line to ground. The oil pan's pretty deep and the oil pump system um, is below the, the uh, if you will, the pan rail. So when you go to put that in a Mustang, you need to do some work on it to get it, um, uh, you know, to you know, do an aftermarket oil pan. Now there's, you know, companies like, you know, we can do the Daily Dry Home. There's a company called 417 Motorsports that offers a pan that, you know, will work in a Fox body. So, you know, that's something that has to be changed and revised. Um, so that's one thing that, you know, you kind of got to work on. Um, now, again, the guys are putting these old Broncos, the old F series, you know, no problem at all. It's just, you know, to get, you know, when you're going into a, into a passenger car. Um, and then, again, we got a lot of folks in Australia that are interested in it, and uh, they need a front sump. So, um, you know, but maybe you don't want to go the dry sump, dry sump route, so there's a company called Indie Power Products, which makes a really cool oiling system. So they take, you know, get rid of the stock oil pump and all that, and their system goes on it, and they can do a front sump, rear sump, pretty much anything you want, so that, you know, becomes available. So, uh, but that's one of the Achilles heels of just taking the stock motor and just throwing it in a Mustang. The other thing um, is there is between the bores a saw cut that's there for cooling because, again, you, know, you take, you know, one of these trucks and you get loaded to 30,000 pounds and you're going up a 7% grade, you know, the cooling becomes really critical. And uh, so it's got that little saw cut between the bores. It goes down about three-quarters of an inch. that's one of the things you know um i don't know how that's gonna pan out you know once i get my car out for a full season and you know make a hundred drag strip hits with it uh up to this point you know the, the motor that's in the drag car we probably did you know 50 60 dyno pulls on it um and maybe another six seven pulls on a hub dyno and you know, six hits down the drag strip with it. So I'm anxious at the high power levels, 1500 to 1800 horsepower, to see how that works. But we did, you know, do a little bit of extra work on the block. There's a guy uh, that lives pretty close to me outside Carlton named Dave Petit. He does all my machining. And, you know, we ended up putting like a a wedge in that little slot and then, you know, filled the block with hard blocks or running methanol, you know, to kind of, you know, if you will, counteract that. But at, you know, 1,000 horsepower levels, you know, I think you're fine. It's just when you start to get to these, you know, real competitive, you know, high horsepower levels that, you know, the jury's out on that. So we have to see how that goes this year.
1: I mean, does the 7.3 like turbos, or do they like whipples better? Or supercharges, I should say. Um,
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, know, you've got – I think it likes both. Um, You know, we've – you know, there's, uh, another friend of mine, uh, name, uh, Merkle Racing Engines, uh, they're in New York. Um, I worked with, uh, the brother of the dad started the business. You know, he had a, he had a gasser back in the day and then, you know, two sons kind of took it over and then one son's working for Ford now. And, you know, they took one, you know, pretty stock engine, you know, and made about 1200 horsepower with, with two 78 millimeter turbos. So, wow. um, you know, it, it, so it, it definitely likes boost. But, you know, most engines do, and, you know, because of the bottom end of this is so strong, you know, it's a cast-iron block. It's six-bolt mains, like most Fords have, most V8 Fords have been since 1992. That's when he first went to that architecture on the bottom end. Um, other than the 427, of course, when I'm talking modern-day, all the modulars are that way. So, I mean, it's a really robust bottom end, and then, you know, much everything you know what engine doesn't like boost you know you know push that air and harder and give me enough fuel and we'll make some big numbers
1: you know brian i mean again obviously you're the godfather of this motor you know and and when it came out you kind of said okay i hope it does well i'm thinking but when you go to your uh web you know browser and you say hey look or you see that You know, XYZ Corporation is now making a component for the Godzilla motor. I mean, does that take you back, or or did you expect that, or or do you just sit back and have a a diet orange Fago and go, wow, that's really something?
0: Yeah, I I think it's, uh, you you know, I'm very happy with it because, again, when I retired from Ford, um, you know, I've always loved engines. I wanted to, you you know, start, you know, this, you know, building, you know, engines. And, you know, I started to think about it. I said, you know, the Godzilla is a strong platform. How can I help push that in the aftermarket? So as I see other, you know, companies coming on board, you know, whether it's, you know, no matter who it is, you know, Calais, you know, Brian Tooley Racing is starting to get involved, which is a big, big, you know, LS sales there. You know, it makes you, again, it makes you feel good. You know, it's happy. It's a joyous thing, right? Because you want to see that um, other, you know, that may, as like I mentioned earlier, major companies, you know, are investing their development dollars because they think this platform is going to be something that's going to have significant volume in the aftermarket and give them a positive return on on their investment, right? So, you know, I did it because, you know, I wasn't sure about the return on investment, but I, I thought it was a great engine. Um, and I thought it would be very good, you know, for the aftermarket. And then, as you, as you know, as I, you know, started to work on that type of stuff, in, you know, late eighteen, early nineteen, um, and then you start to see the engine getting production, and you know, people coming online. Um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a happy feeling, a good feeling, and uh, of uh, you know, that the thing is working, and and people see the benefit.
1: I mean, do you monitor the like the seven three groups? you know that are online somewhere and like pop in a little bit, and it's like, Woohoo, Brian Wolf's here
0: um I do I do I not not you know uh, not as often as i um, um yeah you know, I not every day um but I, I you know on you know Facebook you know I' look in, you know at the messages and, and see um, um you know what's there, and if there's questions, you know, try to answer them you know when I can.
1: I mean, do you use your name or do you use that willisguy dot com? <laughs> no, I use my name. I mean, not to throw them off. I mean, is what is the biggest misconceptions? Are they still having those where you read stuff and you go, um, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, I
0: mean, I think you know, like you know, some of the you know the things are. I, you know, obviously, you love the the comment that oh, it's just a big, it's just a copy of the LS, you know, and <laughs> you go, yeah, and then you know, yeah, yeah, and you go, why? Because it's got because the coils are in the valve covers. I mean, I don't, you know, while you're looking, you know, you know the, you know, if you look at, you know the the Godzilla, it's a combination of the four six five four bottom end architecture. And the kind of the top end of, of a Windsor slash Cleveland type layout. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, so I understand why people might say that. And you find that that's more like, you know, to me, I, that I see like in the younger guys that, you know, don't remember the, you know, the old conventional small block Chevy back, you know, pre-LS or, you know, the, the you know, or don't know much about the Ford modulars or the Ford small blocks. That's one of the things that are, that, that are kind of cute. Um, or, you know, the other one, you know, like, oh, you know, it weighs, you know, 300 pounds more than a Windsor, you know, I can say, no, no, we actually weighed them, and, you know, that happened yesterday, and I gave a link to a video I did with Evan Smith, you know, where we weighed them and, you know, measured them so people, you got, you know, have the data there as opposed to speculation. So, uh, you get, that's, you know, what, which kind of, you know, the main thing is when someone has something totally wrong is to try to, uh, you know, get the truth out.
1: Yeah, because sometimes once they see, like I know when we do ours over here, and on a rare occasion that we get somebody is a little left of of the rudder, you know. Once you say and you point out, well, this is kind of how it really is. It's like either they go away forever, or it's like, oh yeah, hey, way to go, Brian. Always loved your stuff. loved your five zero. Bye now. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you
0: get or you get those that want to argue no matter what, you know. That and then you, you know you. And the ones that kind of, you know, if you will, the I think, for lack of a better word, word they may call them trolls. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're they're the ones that probably know the least. You know, they probably never <laughs> turn to wrench, but they do a lot of it. But but they do a lot of internet uh, reading. You know, and think that uh, you know they're they're experts, though. So.
1: Yeah, the people that don't have driver's license are telling you, Brian Wolf, <laughs> about the Godzilla motor. <laughs> I mean, did you ever have yeah. to like drag people over and say, "Look at look at this. Look at what somebody wrote?"
0: No, no. No, I you know, you just uh uh, you know, never never did that.
1: <laughs> I mean, is Ford knocking on your door? I mean, are they looking over at Willis and going, "Um, hey, wish we would have thought of that?"
0: No, no, not at all. You know, Ford like any other company, you know, once you're retired, you know, you're kinda of gone, right? And uh, you know, that was the most clear to me. Um, we had a previous seat, you know, chief executive officer a guy named Don Peterson. And I remember he was, you know, really strong, you know, good finances, good profit guy. And I remember, you know, when he left, um, you know, it was you know, kinda of like he was never there and the one boss that I worked for that Jimmy Clark, again, he was the director of advanced powertrain. you know, he was pretty close with him because um, he was one supporting all the advances in engines through the 90 and making sure the finances were there to do that. And so I remember Jim said, well, you know, I'm going to bring Don in just to kind of give him a briefing on some of the stuff that we were doing. But, you know, I remember how appreciative he was. And it was kind of like, you know, even though he was the CEO, once he's gone, it was like, adios, MF, you know, we'll see you later. <laughs> uh, so... uh
1: Really, I mean, yeah. I mean, how could yeah. how could Ford just give you the gold watch and say thanks a lot? And, oh, by the way, if you want to sell, you know, some of our fine Godzilla motors, thanks. You know, if you want to develop stuff so we can sell more than we we normally thought we were going to, thanks. I mean, they don't even give you like a Christmas card or anything.
0: No, no, but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's just kind of the way it is. You know, you you know that and. Uh, you know, you've, you know, part of it is you got to let go too. Yep, you were there for, you know, extra years, 30, 40 years. But, you know, it's time for the, you know, you got to make way for the next guys, right? The, the younger guys that are coming up and let them do their deal. You can only hope that you left things behind that are strong enough for them to embrace and continue and make better than you did, right? And not just kind of ignore the stuff you did. So, um, I think you'll see some of that, um, you know, things that make you, you know, happy is like, uh, you know, the 7.3 um, originally was going to be a larger version of the 6.2 liter. The 6.2 was in the trucks. It was a single overhead cam, two spark plugs per cylinder, but it was a really big engine because it was not any large displacement, but it was overhead cam. And at the time, you know, they already were in the first prototype phase of that. And that's when I came back from Europe and took over uh, global engine engineering. And when you do a new program like this, it was kind of a because we we're getting rid of the six eight liter V10, and this was all new tooling, all new capacity. So it's a very investment intense, capital intense program. And I remember telling guys, you know, I don't think this is you know the best way to spend this much of the company's money. You guys got to convince me. And you know, so that was kind of the uphill. Battle to change direction and you know, if you will, sell this as a better alternative than what was already in the cycle plan, and um, and then Ford has announced. So this isn't you know speaking out of church because it was uh, announced that they're going to do a 6.8 liter version uh, of it as well. So you know, kind of same arch, you know, in kind of the same architecture, but a smaller displacement. You know, probably to be the entry level engine you know, in the super duties that was announced about a year ago at uh um uh, at Essex Engine plant. So that says, okay, you know, this was you know, not only, you know, does the market see the value in this, but um, you know, the company is also seeing, you know, the value in and going on and making the taking it to the next level. So that's uh that's all good stuff. Something you can smile about in your old age. <laughs>
1: Amongst other things, getting to bed at nine o'clock, I mean it's, it's does does Ford look over and go, you know what look at what they're doing with this seven three you know, could we possibly put this in the next generation uh, Mustang?
0: you know I, I have no idea you know you, you, like I said, you're really removed, but you know I, I for one, even though know, I, I like this engine a lot the seven three, you know I wouldn't be a big supporter of that because I think the coyote is so good. You know, and especially in a sporty type car. I mean, it's about a hundred and thirty-five hundred and forty pounds lighter uh, than the Godzilla, um, and you know, it's been very well received because the Mustang they sell it, you know, globally, right? So there's a right-hand drive version, cetera. So, you know, when you're talking about you know a a, a global type sports car, you know, a four hundred and eighty horsepower, five liter, you know, 7,000, seven thousand seven thousand five hundred rpm engine is you know, pretty hard to top in that type of vehicle. So, you know, if I was back to my old job and someone suggested that, i said, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, we've got something really good in the Mustang, and uh, I think we ought to keep it there.
1: Yeah, you know, we were thinking about, too, about how they were convincing and everybody was trying to convince to get the 7.3 off the ground. You said at the top of the show that there was a gentleman that, uh, when you were just a junior, junior, that he went in and he was fighting he went. I think you said he went over and beyond his job to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. did, did that inspire you when it came? Push came to shove with this one, or did you watch how that was done, or was that just? A, oh yeah, I remember that now.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I worked for Jim multiple times at Ford, and he said, "At this was when I was a manager level, what was called an LL four <laughs> level." He said, "You know, if you don't risk your job." at least once a year, you're probably not doing your job, and that always stuck with me. You know, it says, you know, when you're, you're like, in a position of, you know, authority, and if you think the company's not going the right way and you don't push really, really hard to try to make that happen, maybe so hard that you're stepping on toes and, you know, pissing people off, um, you're probably not doing your job if you're just a yes man and going along no matter what. You know, so that always did stick with me, absolutely.
1: And did you follow that? Every year? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, um,
0: I don't know if I did it every year, but it was always that um, you know when you, when you saw something different, you know, to push it hard, and uh, you know, and you know, and you know, to to if you will the, the breaking point. But a lot of times, you know, if you could be convincing, you might not have to take it to that threshold. You know, like you know, going against the grain, if you will. Um, a lot of it is just, uh, you know. You know, people people say you know, data will set you free. You know, if you can present a logical, unemotional case, and you know, take that forward, um, you know, it's 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 not awful. You know, to sell. You know, just like the seven three and turning that program around and figuring out how we're going to do it on a compressed timeline. You know, it wasn't difficult to sell to the. Uh, uh, to the executives at Ford, you know, it's like, well, here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to do it. Here's the financial impact. Here's the attributes or the characteristics of the engines' impact, um, and uh, you know, and, and you know, they would, uh, you know, ask questions. You'd answer them, and you know, you, and, and and things would go forward.
1: I mean, Brian, that night when you had all that stuff in your attache case, and you know, you had to make that presentation in the morning. I mean, did you feel pretty confident about it, or did you have some warm milk before you go to bed?
0: Uh, no, it's, no. Obviously, you know you're confident, and you know because again, um, yeah, you, know, you did your homework. I mean, you know, you had to. Uh, you know, some of the toughest, you know, critics, you know, were before the big meeting, right? So, you, if you will, the meeting outside the meeting. You know, what do you think? And and trying to get as many. Um, uh, answer as many questions that may come up as possible so that you you know you knew where you were going and if you will had the had the bases covered, so to speak um so you know you're always a little nervous going you know when mm-hmm. they're in a room of uh all the corporate officers and you know they're they're asking questions, but it was all pretty you know like I said on this program it was all pretty positive.
1: I mean, it's pretty great that all of a sudden that they were that receptive, because as you well know, some folks could have the best, greatest idea. This is a slam dunk, and you get to the board, and all of a sudden, what? You know, what do you mean, no? So that's why I was wondering if that lingering little thought back there of, well, maybe. I mean, did you have a plan B in case they said, "Ah, Brian, what else you got?
0: Well, you don't get the Plan B was really, this was Plan B. Plan A was the 6.9 liter uh, single overhead cam variant. So that's that was, you know, the the, the program, if you will, direction. And, uh, and you know, this was an alternative to that. So um, Plan C would have been going back to Plan A, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, okay, I love that.
1: But how disappointed would you have been? Nuts!
0: Um No, I would have been pretty disappointed. Yeah, because it, it made a lot of sense, you know, and and you know, the, it was the benefits kept coming because the engine was so much smaller than that variant would have been. It made for a lot of commonality in uh, reducing complexity of intake manifolds, exhaust manifolds, oil pans, etc. That um, uh, you know it was it would have been hard to say no because. It it it's saved in so many different areas. But if they would have come back and said, nope, you no, know, it's just too late. We can't get this done. This ship sailed. You know, yeah, it would have been pretty pretty disappointed for sure.
1: I mean, were you running up against the turbo guys? Let's do a four cylinder turbo.
0: No, not at not in this market. No, no, that not at all. The, the only you know, the only alternative really, John, was that six point nine liter uh, overhead cam variant.
1: Yeah. It's, it's and just
0: basically made more torque, more power, better fuel economy, cost less, smaller, <laughs> you know. So, it was, yeah, I mean, you, you know, there wasn't a box that there was a trade-off like, well, oh, we're going to lose, you know, 10 horsepower. No, we're going to make more horsepower. We're going to make more torque. We're going to get better fuel economy. We're going to have a smaller package. We're going to have less complexity. Um, so, you know, it was. It was you know it would been, it would have been hard, and, and we can meet the timing, right? But again, you're the guy that is selling that. Yeah, we're going to meet this compressed program timing because we started late on this avenue versus the the, the prime path. So you know, if the things didn't work out, you know, then that's when um, uh, you know you would have got your uh, <laughs> your just rewards, if you will. If yeah, it didn't work out, but you know, as, as luck would have it. You know, the guys, you know, the engineers, the supervisors, managers, you know, chief engineers did a great job at in manufacturing team as well. So it was a big change for them um, that, you know, they came together and, you know, uh, and made it all happen.
1: I mean, when they greenlit that for you, I mean, did you go out and celebrate? Did you just go home and say, hey, Nancy, nice day at office today? I had. Did you go get dinner, stay home, watch Beverly Hillbillies? Yeah. What did you do?
0: Uh it was, John it was another day. You know, the thing is is that um why that was you know great, you know, and you're happy, um in that role, right, so as global engine engineering, you know, you're accountable for every engine in the company, you right. know, from the three one liter three cylinder in Europe uh to the six point seven liter diesel, right? So, you know, it's just okay, what's next? You know what I mean? So there's another program, you know, to get approved, there's another you know, emergency happening that you're on. You know, phone calls twice a day because you got a supply problem or a supplier issue at a plant, and you're trying to get through it. So, I mean, those were you know, those those days were. You know, those were 14-hour days, five days a week, five six hours on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, so why again? This one, you know, was a little special to me, yeah. for, you know, for sure, there was just you know, there, there was just no stop. I mean, it was it was an intense intense
1: job, for sure. Wow, I would have thought there would be champagne and, hey, we got it through, hooray, hurrah, but, you know, it's just like Jimmy Page, you know, when they asked him, how was it like to play Live Aid? He went, oh, eh, another gig. You know, and we'd all go, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? Alright, so now, how many cars are going to have the 7.3 in it this year that you know, running at the track?
0: Um, Well, you uh, guys, if I bar. Motorsports got a Mustang. We're gonna have, you know, two. Um, there's, there's quite quite a few people online. I can and count. Uh, there's a, a guy Nate's truck, that's got a Fairmont. There's uh, another guy Bob that's doing a uh, a uh, circle like a road race car with a Godzilla in it called uh, Foxzilla. Um, there's <laughs> uh, and then you know just I mean there's a ton. You know, there's really a lot. There's a, you know, we're doing a a fair, you know car, a motor for a 69, a couple Fox bodies. I mean, I don't know, you know, dozens for sure.
1: One engine fits all. Nice job, Wolf.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's working out pretty good.
1: Yeah, all right, so now you get to hop in. You know, I'm thinking if you're going to take a couple of hits this year, when are you going to roll out yours?
0: Uh, we're hoping. Um, right now, we're, you know, because we did some rework on the car uh, over the winter. And uh, we, you know, we ended up putting a Halltech uh, engine management system in it, uh, putting a Pro Charger on it. Um, so that's kind of getting that rework done. We've got a few customer motors that are due out, which take priority. So, you know, I'm hoping, you know, to, to, to get the thing fired up sometime late March, early April, um, get it on a hub dyno. Uh, to get the initial tune done, and then, you know, hopefully off to the track after that for some testing.
1: And this engine is going to be pushing how much?
0: You know, we're hoping, you know, somewhere between sixteen
1: and $1,800. <laughs> you are hoping?
0: Oh, God, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, feel, we, we, we think we'll do that, but, you know, again, you don't, you don't, until you've done it, you haven't done it right It's this time so.
1: Yeah, but my God, that's that's stock three forty four barrel numbers. Wow. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> <much>. <laughs> All right. So high numbers. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're you're really far away from any drag strip around your house. But uh, if you're going to be coming out March, are you going to make the tour? Or are you just going to stay around? Home. Um...
0: Well, well, you know, Milan's back up, which is great.
1: Yeah, we know um, that very six well.
0: Miles away from the house. So, obviously, we'll plan on, you know, you know, Peso is going to have uh, some events there that we definitely plan on uh, participating in. Um, and then uh, the heads up stuff that they have, the, you know, that will be, uh, we'll probably do some of that. We'll use it for, you know, mainly for testing. Um, but we do wanna to go to some of the uh the light, you know, the Donald Long, John Sears races and uh, Ultra Street and some of the NMCA stuff. But, you know, again, it's gonna be hit and miss based on, you know, workload in the shop. You know, that's gotta you know you, that's gotta be the priority. But uh we're trying to cut back on engine builds uh this year and uh push some performance kits that people can, you know, basically you know, back when we were kids, right? We didn't, you know, go to an engine builder. You, you bought the parts. So yeah. we're trying to, to do, you know, kind of like Ford did in the '60s, their total performance, where, you know, we know that hey, this is going to give you 60 horsepower over stock. These parts, these parts will give you 100 horsepower over stock. These parts will give you 140 over stock. These parts will give you 200 over stock. And you know, and then you know, we recommend piston and rods when you get to this level. So again, trying to put that together. Um, so that people can buy parts that they know work together. They know the pistons won't hit the valves. Um, they know that what to expect from a from a out from a performance. Not because the guy behind the counter says so, but because we've got the dyno data that says this is what this combination did. And uh, and you you know this engine is not hard to work on. You can do it yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean that's fantastic because <laughs> you're right back in the grasshead auto supply days let's see this uh, 1130 holly will fit this uh, 273 <laughs> i think exactly. you know and this high-rise yeah. manifold with this 900 lift uh, cam with no new valves or rollers would just fit just fine because i like the sticker thank god what you're doing brian
0: yeah. So and of course that's the goal, right? Because you know the, you know, you know the loyal Ford guy. You know, you want to try to get stuff out there that you know is going to work together, right? So that you know there there aren't questions because there's you know, you know there's a lot of parts out there and how they work and how they fit together. You know, a lot of people you know don't know. But again, you know when you go and have someone build your engine, dyno the engine, you know that gets costly, right? So if you can. Limited to just being able to buy the parts, and you can buy the parts, you know, you can do it in steps, you know, and makes it, you know, more affordable, you know, for more people, which is, you know, obviously the goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, can they buy eventually down the line? Are you thinking that they can buy all these step-up kits from you? Do they have to go to Summit? Where would they go to buy these?
0: Yeah, no, we'll have, we'll, we'll offer them. Uh, the, the kit, so, yeah, well, you know, again, that, that's, that's the plan is that, you know, we, we already did kind of a straw man for how we're going to set that up, you know, um, and uh, just waiting for, uh, you know, make sure we have the, the parts for the, uh, to, to be able to adjust cam timing. Those are ones that are being made. And then, uh, you know, basically everything else, we have that and uh, maybe a lower cost, you know, intake we're we're, we're working on with Brian Tooley Racing, there's some really nice sheet metal out there, intakes. Danbury Competition Engines has one that's, I think, a very fair price point for a sheet metal intake that we've used on uh, maybe five or six customer motors so far. Um, but if we can get to a cast intake, that's going to make everything more affordable yet. So, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about what's what, what's coming and what we can put together.
1: I mean, last we talked, it, you were, like, you know, trying to go slowly with Willis. You know, and it's like, you know, he had one engine, but you were still trying to get all the peripherals for the uh, dyno done and stuff. I mean, now that it really sounds like it's kicking a gear. I mean, will there ever be a time, Brian, where you can just like go, okay, you guys run that over there. I'm going to go racing or I'm going to go to Florida or I'm going to take a breath. or Are you just going to be one of those guys that keep going in the backyard and going, this is what I dig?
0: Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, again, I have uh, one guy that works with me, uh, Jay Coffran, who's really great, works with me part-time now. But, you know, this isn't – I don't want to grow into a a large business, right? I You know, we, we did that. So you want to keep it sized right and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, do less engines, complete engines going forward and, you know, push more kits, right, so that we can – you know, because, again, the thing I – well, it's always fun to build an engine, you know, um, I The thing I enjoy the most, I've enjoyed from the time we were kids, is development. Right. So when, now that I got the dyno and we can run different cams, different cam timing, different heads, different intakes, yada 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 yada, and you know what what the results are, you know, you can. Uh, uh, that's what I just super super fun. So if we can get to selling those uh, those kits, um, and then uh, that that would be good, you know, and just keep it, you know, something we can handle.
1: All right, and so those kits are going to be coming down the pike soon.
0: Probably, yeah, probably within yes, you know, two to three months once I have wow. all the parts. Yeah,
1: really? I mean, you already have the good, better, best selections in your head, just mm-hmm. about. Wow.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, yeah. We, I think we're gonna. I gotta look. You know, we're gonna try to think of some cool names like Ford did in the sixties, and you know, try to you know market it that way, but. Um, again, uh, so, you know, we've got parts on the shelf for the stuff that's available now. Um, so we've got cams, we've got pistons, we've got rods, um, the stuff that's coming is the stuff so that someone can adjust the cam timing fairly easily themselves. Um, so that's something that's uh, being made. And then, you know, the intake manifold, um, we've, and then the other thing we do is we do the cylinder head. So we have. A, Uh, the stage one stuff I've got exchange stuff on the shelf. The stage twos, because they're a lot more money, those would be more have to be special ordered, uh, to do that. But that's going to be something that, you know, would be, you know, taking that, you know, 175 to 225 horsepower over stock is where someone would, would go to that head or, you know, a heavily boosted application where they need the reliability of the copper brilliant seats, bronze guides, you know, either titanium or stainless steel valves, stuff like that in it.
1: So, you're like, have a kit for everybody from the guys who just want a couple little bit of hop up to the gentleman you're going to see racing at Peso.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. The, the, the guys racing at peso will probably need beyond what that kit is. Um, you know, they're going to need you know more mechanical roller cans. and I mean they're going to have you know the yeah. you know uh, you know Jay the, you know Jay, the guys that Jay uh, attracts are uh, yeah are pretty high end guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, just a bit. All right, anybody we should thank before we go besides Nancy?
0: Uh, well, obviously yeah, Nancy first for putting up with it, but you know, just uh, you know. Everybody that uh, you know that, that's out there, so you know, so, so supporting the program. I mean, uh, whether it's uh, you know Jake that works with me, Dave Petit that does machining, uh, you know the you know, and again Calais that has offered so many parts, you know early on. Um, you know Pro Charger, the kits they're offering. You know, hopefully uh, Whipple will get their stuff out soon. You know Big Stuff Three, who's has a system that works, uh, EFI system that works with it. OBR control systems who makes say um, a really nice plug and play. We've probably sold 20 over 20 of their kits to use in these streetcars because they're so easy plug and play. Uh, you know, the Hall Tech guys because you know, they've come on board with some stuff that makes it easier to plug and play with their. So they're just all these companies again, not that I'm you know tied to them, but I'm just grateful that we all see the benefits uh, of the platform. And uh, and uh, and polish the blue oval even more. So, good stuff.
1: Man, you're going to have to like buy one of those Amazon warehouses for all the parts you're going to be blowing out in the next couple of years.
0: Well, yeah. Well, like I said, hopefully, someone like a like a company like Brian Tooley Racing. You know, again, because you know the goal for me was to get the stuff out there. You know, and 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 you know, being able to you know make a bit of money while we're doing it. I don't have yeah. Like I said, goals of getting that big. So if you partner with somebody that you can say, "Hey, this is the stuff that works. This not all to go, it goes together." You know, let them you know make the big bucks off it. I'm you know I've been very fortunate in my life to have a wonderful job at Ford, and uh, you know, and moving forward. So uh, yeah, our goal isn't to grow super big, but to kind of lay some of the foundation for folks.
1: Whew. Wow, job well done. Talk about a job well done. We want to alert all the affiliates, all the CKWI Radio 76 affiliates down the line. We did go slightly over with Mr. Wolf. Actually, we went way over with Mr. Wolf. But you know what? I know the owner. I'll smooth it with him. However, there is a reason why he has been on with us more than any other guest ever on the 515. Matter of fact, was the inaugural guest on the 515 way back in the day and i'm telling you we're going to have him on again he is one of the most dynamic men even if you don't like forwards and now who doesn't um you know it's fascinating brian you got to come on again i mean somewhere deep into the season obviously we'll be monitoring your car and we'll be you know we'll be around at the tracks around here but come on back again let us know how things went maybe at the end of the season let us know how, you know, if, if if the season and everything met your expectation and, and things you learned this year.
0: Absolutely, I always, always enjoy being on, Jen.
1: Cool. I mean, we got to get you before you go to Florida. Anyways, uh, hang on the line just a minute, won't you, Brian? Right now, <laughs> from the sure. only station that gives a damn about the greatest sport on earth, and that's drag racing, CKWI Radio 76, with the boss Bruce Springsteen.